This episode of Kitchen Table Theology is brought to you by Jeff Cranston's new book, Your Greatest Adventure. When someone places their faith in Jesus Christ, it is the greatest, wisest, and best decision of their life and will pay dividends for all eternity. What happens after that decision has been made? Discover the answers to that question in Your Greatest Adventure. Learn more at jeffcranston.com. Hi, friends, and welcome back to Kitchen Table Theology. I'm your host, Jen Denton, and along with Pastor Jeff Cranston, we're systematically discovering what the Scripture teaches regarding what too many of us might believe are out-of-reach theological concepts. Lately, we've been diving into the doctrine of the person of God. On today's podcast, we'll keep that going as we talk and learn about the goodness of God. Pastor Jeff, how many times here at Low Country Community Church over the years have we corporately said in a church service, God is good all the time and all, all the, the time, time God, God is good. good. I, or sometimes great if we're really oh, we, feeling oh, the, you, <laughs> if we're really feeling the spirit. <laughs> I, I think we've said that too many times to count for sure. Well, you know, it's easy to say that, and it feels good to say that. It's affirming when I say that God is good all the time and then remind myself that all the time God is good. But what do we do with that knowledge exactly? I mean, we believe that God is good, but how, again, as I often ask, does that affect our everyday lives? Where and how do we see His goodness? It sort of goes without saying that God is good, and as Christians, even the youngest of us understand that. If a child walks, is God good? God is good. Mm -hmm. But it almost feels like it's not this earth-shattering, astounding, you know, huge attribute of God, like all of the fancy ones, the mm -hmm. immutable, the omnipotent, the omniscient, or the omnipresent. You know, it it doesn't feel as big sometimes, I think, as those other ones. It's like if we, if we hear a word like immutable or um, omnipresent or omniscient, it's like, well, God's got to be that because I don't really understand that word. <laughs> so <laughs> sure, therefore, God good. has to be uh -huh. that. But when you say God is good, well, that's mm, so simple. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, God's goodness is on equal footing with all of God's attributes. But I think maybe we discount it slightly because we tend to think of other people whom we know as good people. Mm -hmm. You know, and I mean, how many times have you been in a conversation, somebody say, have you met so-and-so, uh, man, he or she, really good person. You need to get to know, mm -hmm. know her or get to know him. And then we apply that exact, exact same wording to God. It somehow feels like something gets lost in the translation there. It does. Words are so limiting. We do that with the word love, too. You know, like, I love pizza or I love tacos. And I was just literally <laughs> thinking that very thing. How scary is that? You know, yeah, I love my dog. I love my wife. I love God. Yeah. We use the same word. Yeah. The Greeks had four words. We have one. That's why they're so good. They're just so good. <laughs> oh, words are cool. And, you know, I think when we have this limiting nature of our own words, it stops us from digging into things like God's goodness. It And it brings up some questions, questions like, is God's goodness the same for believers as unbelievers? Mm -hmm. That might fall into that justice that we've sp spoken yeah, about in podcast. previous podcasts. Yeah. The word good, you know, couldn't we use something better like great or God's greatness? And the classic one, oh, here it is. Well, if God is so good, why does he allow suffering? Yeah, all very good, very worthy questions. Um, I don't know that we'll touch on all those in this podcast, but we'll we'll get to them eventually, uh, Lord willing. So let's unpack this goodness of God uh, a bit. Let, let's begin by answering the question of just what is meant when we say that God is good. 
I think the first thing we need to acknowledge is that his goodness is a part of his character. It is one of his attributes. More specifically, it's one of his communicable attributes, meaning it's one of the attributes that he shares or communicates with us. So that puts it in contrast to what theologians call God's incommunicable attributes. For example, his omniscience, his sovereignty, uh, in which he does not share those with us. You know, perhaps when we began this whole series within the podcast on the attributes of God, it would have been good if I'd have said (laughs) there are incommunicable attributes Mm. and communicable attributes. But now we'll wait until the 23rd podcast to bring it up. (laughs) To bring it up. Well, since you did bring it up now, let's stop and take a breath and just make sure we've got it so far. So we've got communicable, the attributes that God communicates, that he shares with us, Mm -hmm. and incommunicable, the attributes that he doesn't communicate or share with us. And goodness is one of the communicable ones, right? Yeah. And if you really want to blow your mind, consider this, just like a few other of his attributes, God's goodness exists within his immutability. Mm. So immutability, we might recall, means simply that God is what? He's unchanging. unchanging. So God's goodness is tied into his immutability. I think that's so cool because Mm. that means he is unchangingly always good. Good all the time. <laughs> See, so we're not there we far go. off. We're not we too it. far off. So, okay, there's some ways to help us understand his goodness. But how exactly do we define God's goodness? If somebody said, how do you define God's goodness? What would you say? Well, for help here, I've turned uh, again to a, a book I refer to often, Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology, all 1,291 <laughs> pages of it. And Dr. Grudem has a really good uh, definition, I think, of, of the goodness of God. And he says this, the goodness of God means that God is the final standard of good and that all God is and does is worthy of approval. The goodness of God means that God is the final standard of good and that all God is and does is worthy of mm-hmm. approval. Have you ever wondered... I, I just started thinking about this the other day. Have you ever wondered how we came to call God God hmm. in our English language? Um, and, you know, there's all of these Old Testament names, the primary one being Elohim. Hmm. And But early on, you know, as we started translating the Bible into English, uh, it, we got the word God. Hmm. Well, the original Saxon meaning of our English word God is the good. Hmm. So God is a form of the good uh, early, early, early on. So God is not only the good, he's the greatest of all beings. He's the best of, of everything that we would ever know. And, you know, we, we just mentioned this. We recognize the good in others, right? He, he's, a, he's a good guy. She's a, she's a really good person. Mm-hmm. And we praise our children when we, their behavior is good. Well, all the goodness there is in any of us has been given to us by God. But so our our goodness is derived from God. Hmm. His goodness is underived from anything, anywhere, or anyone else. This is because it's the essence of his very nature. He was eternally good 
before there was any communication to any of his creation. Mm-hmm. So think about it for a second. Everything that emanates from God, his decrees, his creation, his laws, his providences, cannot be other than good. And we all recall the end of the creation account, Genesis 1.31, and God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. Mm-hmm. So thus, the goodness of God is seen first, first time we see it's in creation. But it was in existence long before creation because God existed prior to creation. So let's go back to that definition for a second. The goodness of God means that God is the final standard of good and that all God is and does is worthy of approval. So if I understand this, if God's goodness means anything that is worthy of his approval, the next question almost has to be, then what exactly is good, right? Would it be right in understanding that everything God approves is good and good is everything God approves? You, you, you are <laughs> wise. In circles. You are wise beyond your years, <laughs> Mrs. Denton. You, I mean, oh. what good theology you're spouting out there. Yeah, exactly. What, what we discover is that God's goodness is not necessarily about what we think. Um, you know, we talked about that in our last podcast on God's justice. Mm-hmm. It, what we think is just and fair doesn't make anything just and fair. The only justice we know is the justice of uh, that comes to us from mm-hmm. God. So God's goodness starts with God and what He thinks. It it's, doesn't start with what we think. We bring our subjectivity, our limited knowledge, our thoughts into what we think is good, But God, who knows best, has the final say. And he says, whatever is good is worthy of his approval. Everything God approves is good, and good is everything God approves. Hmm. So how do we bring God's actions into all this? You know, you mentioned just now that goodness starts with God and what he thinks. So how about with what he does with his actions? Yeah, that's a great thought. Um, scripture often ties in God's goodness with the goodness of his actions. Uh, Psalm 119.68 says, you are good and do good. Mm. So there's his action. Over and over again, the psalmist and other writers of scripture praise God for his actions. You know, we, we praise him for what he has done. The Bible also teaches us that God is the source of all good. And one of his good actions is to give us things. Uh, James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. And one of the verses that so many of us often turn to is Romans 8.28, which tells us that we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those that love God. And additionally, Psalm 84.11 says that everything God does for the believer is good. Mm-hmm. So, Pastor Jeff, like always, we are whew, flying, flying <laughs> on our time. So let's start to land the plane a little bit. Let me ask another question. How then we see God's action spoken over us and in our lives, so how do we respond to God's goodness? God is good all the time. All the, all time. the time. God, God is, is good. good. Yeah, and amen. <laughs> but how do we as believers truly absorb that and respond to it? Well, let's keep it simple. So as a theologian and a preacher, I'm, I'm used to presenting truth in threes. So let me suggest three quick ways <laughs> to respond. Seven, or eight. seven. No, three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, three points in a poem. That's what we were taught in <laughs> preaching class. So in light of God's goodness, just three quick things. We should trust Him. We should praise Him. And 
we should imitate him. Mm. So we, we should trust him. It's easy to think that God is good when good things happen. We don't have any problem with that. After a job promotion, oh, God is good. <laughs> We're healed of a sickness. God is good. You get good grades. God is good. But what about when there's seemingly senseless suffering? What about a tragedy? What about a trauma? What about this pandemic? Mm. What about all the things that happen in life that we don't think they're very good. The The Bible tells us that God, you, we got to remember, he's not the one to blame for evil, and yet he somehow, for his own glory, allows it, and we don't fully understand why. We definitely will not always understand why God allows hard things in our lives. But when those hard things happen, will we trust his goodness Toward us, so but you, you you know I think we're we're good to remember goodness is who he is and we should trust him, and secondly we should praise him, even if goodness were his only attribute we should praise him for that. Mm. God is worthy of our praise. Uh, you know a thankless Christian does not glorify God, does not praise God. We should praise him in the good, and we should also praise him in the bad, knowing that as you just reminded us, he's working all things out for good. And finally, we should do good. We should imitate him. Uh, Dr. Grudem writes, uh, he says, we should ourselves do good. That is, we should do what God approves and thereby imitate the goodness of our Heavenly Father. You know, we're, we're saved by grace and not by works. And I just want to reiterate that again. We are saved by grace and not by works. And uh, in a bonus podcast, I mentioned that over half of U.S. Christians in a recent survey believe good works are going to get them into heaven. Mm. Over half of Christians believe good works are going to get them into heaven. If I just do this. If, if I, I just, just do this, God will accept me. But we are saved by grace and not by works. I'm really trying not to preach here. <laughs> but that doesn't mean our good works don't mean anything. You know, we're called to good works mm. after our salvation. And like our good God, we should do good and seek to glorify God and serve other people. And kitchen table theologians, this is what we hope is applicable to your life today. So try this. The next time you hear somebody say, God is good, we hope that you now have a clear understanding of what that means and how that applies to your life. We also hope that all of us will continue to increase our understanding of God's goodness and respond to his goodness appropriately. And I love I love this benediction, or sometimes we even start the the start our praise to God this way. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Yeah, can I can I wrap this up with a true story? I, I love do. this story. I, I think it says so much. It teaches us so much about God's goodness. True story. It took place in a classroom at Hannibal LaGrange College in Missouri back in 2002. It and I, I want to say that was not that long ago. That was 18 years ago. Goodness gracious. <laughs> so anyway, true story. It was final exam day. Uh, one of the students by the name of Denise Banderman walked into her classroom minutes before the professor arrived. Everybody in the room. I mean, you can picture it, can't mm -hmm. you? Everybody, every student in the room is doing last minute cramming. The professor enters, takes a few minutes with the class, reviews the entirety of the course with with them. She said most of it was familiar, but he he reviewed a few things with us that none of us remembered ever hearing. Mm. I've been there. <laughs> 
The professor then said something. She said it sent cold chills up every student's spine. And he said this, all of this is in your textbook and you are responsible for the content on this exam. Uh. I'm, I'm getting a stomach ache just recounting this. So zero hour is upon them. It's time to sit, take the final exam. So the exam papers were handed out. The professor gave the word. Every student took up their pen or their number two pencil. I don't know how they did it. And 2002 is probably still probably, the yeah. pencil. <laughs> so, you know, turned over the test paper to begin. And then here's what Denise says. These are her own words. She says this, I couldn't believe it. To my astonishment, every answer on the test was filled in. My name was even written on the exam in red ink. Mm. And she said the stir kind of traveled like a wave over the class. Uh, Each student looked at their completed exam. Mm. And on the bottom, she said, on the last page of every text, every test was this note from the professor. And it read this. All the answers on your test are correct. You will receive an A on the final exam. The reason you passed the test is because the creator of the test took it for you. All the work you did in preparation for this test did not help you get the A. Mm. You know, can I just tell you something? That's not just an incredible story on many levels. And that, that happens only to a classroom of college students 18 years ago. I mean, it never happened to me. Did it ever happen to you? It did not, but this will be a specific prayer of my children now after hearing this podcast. Please let it happen again. You know, this is not just some sort of one in a million thing that would never happen to any of us because, and I say that for this reason, there isn't a single one of us listening to this podcast who hasn't experienced outrageous, lavish, unexpected, undeserved goodness from God. Mm. And what is more, we experience these God-directed, goodness of God serendipities every single day. They are poured out over us constantly. And, and I know this, and I declare it with confidence today because of one unchanging truth that permeates every crease of our reality, and that's this. God is good all the time, and all, all the, the time, time God, God is, is good. good. You know, what a perfect way to tie up our time together today on the goodness of God. And hey, Kitchen Table Theologians, if you haven't subscribed to Kitchen Table Theology yet, head on over to iTunes or Spotify or whatever platform you're listening from and click subscribe because every week we're putting up additional resources for your study and personal growth in God's Word. Subscribing makes sure you don't miss a thing. If today's podcast has brought up a question or two, just shoot us an email at pastorjeffcranston at lowcountrycc.org or watch Pastor Jeff's Instagram story at pastorjeffcranston because we give you opportunities to ask questions there as well. And we do love hearing from you. I love seeing everybody's questions come through. I do too. And this is not your fault. This is mine. But the email address is Pastor Jeff. No Cranston? Oh, is it? I don't. I think it's just Pastor Jeff. Try them both. Just put them both in the subject line. Pastor Jeff at lowcountrycc.org. I I think that's it. You'll get a bounce back if it doesn't work. It's okay. Well, hey, speaking of Pastor Jeff, as a quick reminder, today's podcast has been brought to you by Pastor Jeff's new book, Your Greatest Adventure. When someone places their faith in Jesus Christ, it truly is the greatest, wisest, and best decision of their life, and it will pay dividends for all eternity. But what happens after that decision's been made? Discover the answers to that question in your greatest adventure. You can learn more at jeffcranston.com.
And as we wrap up today's podcast, let's remember that the real power of theology is not only knowing it, but applying it. Thanks so much for listening. We hope that our time together today has helped you become a better kitchen table theologian. Our next podcast will be on the graciousness of God. We hope that you'll join us. You won't want to miss it. See you next time right here on Kitchen Table Theology. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Jen Denton and Pastor Jeff Cranston. Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, you can check out the show notes at jeffcranston.com. You can also email us at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes? We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.